Hey, redheads and everyone else listening, this is Stephanie. And I'm Adrian, and we're so pumped about today's episode because this is something that's super passionate for me, and it's definitely something that Stephanie loves too, but yeah. I really, really love the business side of how to be a redhead. And so today's episode is all about advice for redheads wanting to launch their own business. And I Ooh. think that is something that we want to do a whole episode for. People who have an idea, they maybe are just getting started or they want to get started or they're going to do it and they just haven't done it yet. Or they just maybe launched it and, and they're, they're getting stuck maybe. Yeah. And they're getting ready to maybe get to that next hurdle because there are a lot of hurdles. Speaking of hurdle, um, our guest today will be Amber Hurdle. She's out of Nashville, Tennessee. And we're excited to talk with her. But we first wanted to talk with you guys about how to be a redhead and how we got started. I think it's a very popular question that we get asked, not so much from our followers, which we will get asked that, but a lot of people who actually meet us in person, like when we were on our book tour or when they meet us at an event or we're doing something with a publicist or whatever we're doing, people will say, how did you guys get started? What did you do? So I feel like this yeah, is a good do. episode to relate to people. We know how you feel. Perfect. Yeah. And I think we all have stories as women entrepreneurs about how we got started. And it's great to hear different stories throughout the years. But I think our story is different. It's so different because we weren't like, oh, we're going to start a tech company, which, hey, if you're starting one, that's super awesome because you're probably super intelligent and smart. And Stephanie and I, for many, many years before that, we were like, oh, we're going to start. We want to start something. We knew we wanted to start something. And then something was like right in the mirror, literally our hair. And we really, really wanted to start something. And my dad was really good about always saying, do you have an invention? Do you have something you want to do? So it was always in our minds, like, oh, like what idea are we going to create? But how to be a redhead was tough. And so people who are tapping into niche audiences, it's a I, hard thing to do because you have to pave the way kind of for people who, you know, there was nothing for redheads. And when the we demographic started. is just, you know, ours is our redheads. So right. natural and chosen, chosen we say are those who weren't born with red hair, but they dye it. And we believe that they have the fiery personality like a redhead. But yeah, I think Adrian and I, in the beginning, we were thinking, oh my God, should we make something? Should we invent an object or something yeah. in the beauty world? But we knew that we loved beauty from our mom growing up. And Adrian loves the business side of things. I love the beauty side of things. So I think that's where we kind of knew that we wanted to start something, bringing both together in both of our personalities. So we kind of always had the idea. Yeah, we always had the idea. And then we, I think what a lot of people, and if you're listening, you, and you want to start something or you started it, you know that there's a need for it. That's the first thing that you learn when you're starting it. You're like, why is there a need? Why do people need this? And we were like, well, it's a no brainer why people need it because at the time there was not one website. If you typed in anything about redheads, you would be lucky to maybe get a cosmopolitan article and maybe one thing was offered for redheads. There was absolutely nothing. And we're like, wouldn't this be cool? Back then it was, it was a blog. Blogs were really, really, really popular. 
And so we were like, oh, we'll just start a blog about how, and we always knew it was going to be how to be a redhead because we would joke about that as kids. And I remember, I can't remember the exact makeup brand. I think it was Origins or some makeup brand that we loved had an eyebrow line and they discontinued the redhead product. And I remember it was around that time we were seeing that happen and you didn't see redheads a lot on the red carpet. They were there. Of course, like Julianne Moore was at her. I mean, she was an A-list celebrity then like she is now. But I think a lot of beauty companies weren't targeting redheads in the makeup and also in and the didn't hair know care to. line. Didn't know to. They right, didn't with even like think. color depositing shampoos and hair masks or at-home ha- hair glasses weren't really a thing. And I think Adrienne and I struggled for so long throughout our childhood trying to find the right products for us. So in 2010, I know that we talked about it. I was finishing up my junior year in college, Adrian, being two years older, had just graduated. We both went to the same college, University of Miami in Coral Gables, Florida. So she had graduated and you were going to be a lawyer. Yeah, I was I was going to be a lawyer and I've always been super headstrong about what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to be a great lawyer. So I moved to Boston and I got a job at a law firm and I just realized it wasn't for me. And I realized super early on, but I did work there for about a year and a half. But what I'm so grateful for was it gave me the creative ability to be like, I know I want to do one, something different with my life. And two, I want to do something creative. And at the end of my life, I want to say, wow, I know I made a difference in some way. And I want to do something that I'm super passionate about. I'm really, really big. Stephanie is too, about waking up every day with passion. You live one life and you can't waste it being something that you hate. And at that time, I really started to not like my job at the law firm. So I quit my job and Stephanie was still a senior at Miami and we started this blog. We had no income at the time from the blog. We just knew that we had to give our all every single day or else it wasn't going to become anything. So we spent our days, Stephanie was still in school, but I spent my day working on the website and then I got a job at night. And I basically just dedicated every single ounce of time I had during the morning and during the afternoon when media is very important to, you know, pitch to people, to get writers, to, you know, have our goals set up, to know that we were going to build this. And I think like in that first year and a half, we went from like a blog to a website very fast, but we, you know, we changed our design two or three times. And then uh, by 2020, 12, which was a year later, we had a partnership with L'Oreal. And so many people are like, oh, well, you make it seem so easy. And it was extremely hard. We literally parked ourselves at a Starbucks. We lived on the Upper West Side in New York City. And we just literally would just work, 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 work on stuff to make sure it's perfect. And so after I, after I graduated from college, Adrian moved from Boston to New York City, where we lived together in the Upper West Side. And I have to say, I know that you would agree, living in New York City, I think really strived us and pushed us right. to so. be the best and to get How to Be a Redhead to where it was. And you know, all the beauty brands are headquartered there and all the publicists and the editors. So having them in the same city was cool to do meetings with and have them learn about How to Be a Redhead. But I think the cool thing is that I became friends with a lot of actresses and actors pursuing, whether it was in comedy, TV, film, and I met them 
at the cocktail waitressing job that I got at night. So while Adrian had a cocktail waitressing job, I did too. And it was great to see them all, you know, you work till two, three in the morning, but then, yeah, you have to be up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning to do auditions and to go out there and put yourself out there. So Adrian and I, we would go to the coffee shop every day Mm -hmm. in the Upper West Side and we were right across the street, the Starbucks right across the street from where the view is recorded. Yeah. So it was just really motivating to be in a city where everyone's doing something different, whether it's, in my mind, everyone's doing something crazy and bizarre. And for when we started How to Be a Redhead and moving to a city that your dreams, like if you can make it anywhere, you can make it in New York. You know, everyone said that. So I'm just very thankful and grateful that we were, we got to build our business in such an amazing very inspiring city where there's so many artists and just the talent there. But it was great to live together. You know, we we fought a lot. <laughs> like sisters do. And there was a lot of tough times. I think that, you know, maybe the benefit when Stephanie and I started, now I'm 31, Stephanie's 29, but seven and a half years ago, we were a lot younger. And I think kind of a blessing with starting a business that young Um, and maybe this is prohibiting some people who are older than we were, was you, we just thought we were invisible, invincible, invincible, invincible. Invisible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, we thought we were invincible and I think it kind of gave us just the guts to do it because we're like, well, of course it's going to be successful, but we knew our work ethic and we knew it. But I think now looking back, you're like, wow, like it takes such an amazing amount of work and, and dedication to get it done. And I think a lot of no's to get a yes was the biggest learning experience for me personally because I'm a lot more, our mom says I'm a lot more sensitive than Adrian, but. You are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like That's if we have you... a problem, Stephanie will call me and she's like, this is such a problem. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like we'll do this and this and this and then you calm down and we're fine. But when we pitched a lot to beauty companies or editors, back when we first started how to, how to be a redhead, just to get our name out there to build our SEO and, you know, just to get written up in publications and get our media kit going, we would pitch nonstop. And I think a lot of no's, I would get very upset over a no email. I would think, okay, why are they saying no? I just want to ask them. But, but it has to motivate you. You have to turn the no and the negative into a positive right. or so, it's going to get to you. So to this day, I mean, we still get no's. Yeah, it is what it is. But I think it even pushes us to be, you know, you hear from certain celebrities stories um, on getting no, no, no for so long, like Jessica Chastain. I know that she talks about that getting no's for so long, but then getting that one. Yes. It only takes one. Yes. That's why I love award season. I love the red carpet, but I just love their speeches because they always talk about striving for success, getting out there doing it because the no's push you. And if they're not pushing you, then I think you need to take a step back and kind of reevaluate what you're doing. Because I know to this day, when I get a no, I will work 10 times harder. I'll work instead of shutting off my computer at 6 p.m. I'll work for another two hours, wake up early in the morning, maybe re-strategize on what I'm doing, maybe tweak my pitch a little bit, whether it's on the phone or email. And then Because Stephanie and I have the attitude and you have to have this attitude when you launch something. You have to think, who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want 
if you're a redhead, why wouldn't you want to know about how to be a redhead? And honestly, if any beauty editors are listening, this is seriously how Stephanie and I feel. When we get a no for a pitch, this was we haven't pitched in a while like that. But when right. we used to back in the day and people would say, no, we don't want to write about this. I'm like, no, but it's such a good topic, though. Like, right. I wouldn't I wouldn't write back that. But Stephanie and I were both think about it. And so we just kept us going because we're like, who wouldn't? And then in 2014, we had an amazing, I guess you would call a breakthrough. And the New York Times on Thanksgiving Day wrote a page long article about how to be a redhead and why it's so needed and why it's making such a big splash in the beauty business. And it really, really made us excited. But after we have this amazing interview with Amber, we want to share a story that I don't think we've shared with anyone, but we wanted to share the story. And it really gave us some motivation to do this episode because we went through a very, very hard time right before that New York Times article came out. And we wanted to share it with you. And maybe it'll give you the confidence to say, wow, they went through that and they're doing this. I'm going to start my business. And my one piece of advice before we get Amber on the phone is I follow up like crazy. People probably think (laughs) when I email them, oh, my God, this crazy B-I-T-C-H or (laughs) right ahead is why is she blowing up my inbox? But I really believe that emails, you know, a lot of people don't know how to handle their email inbox. So I'll send a pitch or I'll I'll email and then I will send at least three, four follow up emails with that within a calendar month. And to me, that's one my my one piece of redhead advice. (laughs) So Amber Hurdle, she's a beautiful redhead. She's a professional brand strategist and leadership consultant. She's author of The Bombshell Businesswoman and host of The Bombshell Business Podcast, so check her out. She helps companies grow by helping them to create brand experiences for their customers. Her story, just like the start of any company, did not start with ease. She was a teen mom and with a lot of drive and organization began successfully helping companies prosper. She's quoted as saying, I know what works and what doesn't, and I can help your business steal the show. So we're so pumped to have her on, and hopefully she gives you great advice for launching your business. Yeah, so let's call her up. The H2 Bar Box, a monthly beauty subscription box for redheads. Each box is worth $80 plus, and each product is redhead-friendly approved. Head to h2barbox.com to subscribe and use code PODCAST to receive 20% off. This is Amber. Hi, Hi, Amber. It's Stephanie and Adrian Vendetti. Hey, ladies. The whole uh, topic of today is people who want to start their own business. It's something that Stephanie and I are super passionate about. And when we read your story, we were like, oh, we would love to have her on because we feel like your story is very relatable, but it also proves a point that you have to work and be dedicated if you really want to launch something and have it be successful. So we wanted to get into your story because... Business is not always easy, but it can be rewarding. And after reading your story, we know you know this too. And so we loved your bio and um, how it said, imagine being featured on the local news station at age 16 as a strong high school leader, then finding out a few weeks later that you're pregnant. Hi, that was me. And while that season was a struggle, at one time I was working four jobs for going sleep to support my daughter. It actually fast-tracked my professional success because I refused to let the bad choices I made restrict me from what I was capable of. So we kind of just wanted to discuss at this point, like the roller coaster of a business. And where do you go when you hit that Mm -hmm. hard time when you're thinking, I'm going to be so successful right away? 
Yeah. So <laughs> I think that that whole teen mom experience taught me a lot. And I even had the thought just yesterday, again, because it's just a nut of, you know what, you know what your strongest asset is, Amber, and this might not be it. But yesterday, I thought it. it's your tenacity. It is. It's yeah. your tenacity, because that is what's required. And so part of the lessons that I learned, um, because I didn't have an option. So now it's all great. Everybody looks they're like, Oh, Amber gets to do this, that, and the other. But I mean, I learned some things the hard way because I had to, um, which is why I'm passionate about teaching people, <laughs> not the hard way, but, but one big lesson was just, there's so many unknowns. Like we cannot, we can plan and I'm all about planning, but you also have to be able to pivot and you have to be able to think on your feet and solve problems quickly. And so that means you have to be able to look ahead and anticipate potential problems so that you can control the controllables. I mean, you want to make sure that the things that you know you've got a handle on are taken care of. So when things go a little wonky, those are the things that can get that extra bit of energy that you have to push forward. Um, and then the other thing that I learned um, again on this fast track that I was on was understanding my distinct value because I'm talking about like I needed to pick up an extra ship, uh, shift up a you know local restaurant. Uh, I needed to right. get hired for a higher paying job so that my car wouldn't get repossessed. So I had to position myself in a way that made me more competitive than somebody else. And I didn't have a college degree at the time. I eventually went back and finished my degree it's the same thing in business. If you cannot differentiate yourself, I mean, look at y'all's niche. What? I mean, I knew exactly who you were when you reached out to me. You have to figure out this is what makes me different. And so then that eliminates competition because it's not about, or like, should I pick this person or this person or this business or this business? It's, I have to have this person because they're so clear on being the right fit for me. That might be a long yeah. answer to yeah. your question. No, no, no. Love totally that. Love that. that. I, yeah. I think that you're, I think it's dead on. Um, do you have one specific piece of advice? Like if a, if a girl or whoever was sitting with you and they're like, I want to start a business, what would be your number one thing? Would it be tenacity that you need to have that? Or would it be a specific business tool? Um, well, I mean, tenacity, I think is something that kind of like a muscle you have to develop. You don't, yeah. not everybody's born with that. Probably. Um, but I would Hey, you know, maybe there's another T involved and that's testing. It needs to be a viable, a viable product or a viable um, service that you offer. So all your friends might be like, oh yeah, go for it, girl. Yeah. But if they're not going to separate from their cold, hard cash, then they're just giving you an opinion. That doesn't mean your business is actually going to work. So yeah. don't put up a fancy schmancy website. Don't go spend a ton of money on a business coach. Just Start with a small group of people and try to start selling to them. And if somebody gives you money for what it is that you want to have, you know, to be your business, now you can start talking about a bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah. So once you break through the tough times, you know, every Stephanie and I were saying we thought we were invincible when we first started. And then when tough times hit or you get no's all the time, um, do you think it gets easier or do you think you just get tougher skin as the years go on? I think it's both. Um, I think you do develop tougher skin because you learn that, you know, if you get a few no's, that's closer to the next yes. So experience helps you uh, a little bit to have a little bit of hindsight with you. Um, but I think that it, it just gets 
easier to accept the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. Um, you you let go of any sense of security that you might have had at your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not true. It's so true. And for anybody that I, I know, y'all are fairly young, um, so I'm not sure what your life was like in 2008. But for anybody that survived 2008, 2009, and the market crash, real estate agents, and anybody in the furniture industry, or I mean, really anybody in 2008, you realize that the economy is cyclical too. So you you better plan. You better plan. So I think ahead. As you do more of what you do, you get savvier. So I don't know if it gets easier. I think that you just, once again, get more flexible to think on your feet and and be able to deal with what's coming at you. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. I think some of the things that bother us, like we have a subscription box, and it used to really bother us when subscribers would write in and complain. And then we started realizing oh, wow, it's really that people just like to complain. <laughs> it's sometimes not yeah. even about the box. It's just, and so you get used to it. And so Stephanie and I get an email sometimes, you know, this woman's screaming at us or something. And we're like, oh, well, maybe she's just having a bad day and we don't take it as personal anymore. And then, you know, nine out of 10 times they write like, oh, never mind. I actually love you guys. I'm just having a bad day. And so we go through yeah. this roller coaster too. And now we're like, oh, that doesn't even bother us anymore. But when we first started the subscription box, we were very that sensitive. was like crushing to us because we were like, oh my God, we just yeah. put so much work into it. Yeah. It would ruin our whole day. <laughs> and I would come home and tell my husband and I would talk about it for so long. I know Adrian, you agree. And then yeah. now- I think, you know, we believe in each subscription box that we send out. So we know not everyone loves every product that it, it's that's in it. Right. But I think, yeah, we've learned to have a little thicker skin when it comes to that. Yeah. And so I also wanted to talk to you about, because Stephanie and I are millennials, but sometimes we're always like, oh, millennials, because there are like certain business practices I feel like some millennials have that perhaps isn't going to really help them in business. And I, and I know that that book, the four hour work week, which I love, I've, I've read the four hour work week for many times, two or three times. I love the concept of it. It's teaching our generation to really be productive with the little time they have so they can enjoy life, which everyone wants to do. But do you really think that leaders of companies and entrepreneurs can only work four hours a week because, or do you feel like maybe it takes an incredible amount of time, like 80 hours a week to actually be truly successful? I think when you're first starting out, um, it's incumbent upon you to to do the time and put the hours in. I do think that if you are savvy in how you grow your business and that you're clear on the leadership roles that you can then delegate responsibility to, you can offload a lot of the operational day-to-day humdrum kind of stuff, but you are still the leader of your company. And if you don't want your culture and your way of doing business to um, be a part of your business, then go vacation and work for four hours a week. Fine. But if you are going to be a solid leader, which in my opinion is a calling, it's not a thing. Otherwise you're just a manager. But if you want to lead the people in your company and have a cascading effect in the lives of their personal lives and their families and their communities, then you're showing up more than four hours a week. And, um, and I don't think that you, I mean, maybe not 80 hours, but you're, you're working a full week. Yeah. 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 You're, <laughs> you're working. working. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think there's a formula to launch, start and succeed in business? Like, do you think that there is a certain formula that people should hit? I don't. And, and I, and it's funny because I've said this about myself before and I, a lot of bombshells, you know, I call my, my audience 
bombshell business women, I love bold, that. brave female I love entrepreneurs. That. Love. Um, because I do like y'all love the beauty side of things, but a real confident woman, if you're looking at a woman that comes in and is like, just turns heads in a room, it's not really because she's stunning. It's because she walks in and she knows who she is. So we switched that up a little bit, but a lot of people say, um, you know, oh, I was accident. I accidentally got into business or I accidentally was successful. And I used to say, I accidentally created, um, a celebrity event planning company. And it wasn't that it was accidental, I mean, it was like, oops, I tripped. And now I have a celebrity event planning company. It's that we make choices that start um, evolving into something greater. So um, uh, activity breeds activity and passion when put with that activity can create really fantastic things. And so that looks different for every single person, every type of business. Um, I mean, online dif- is different than brick and mortar service businesses are different than retail businesses. Mm. Y'all kind of have a whole hodgepodge of like online marketing and, and retail product and, and, you know, service and all kinds of stuff that you have going on. And so your path is going to look very different than somebody who might've started a hair salon in their local community. Right, 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 right. So what do you say to people who say, I don't have any money, but I wish I could start this. Do you believe in when there's a will, there's a way? Yes. Oh, yes. Let me tell you what. When <laughs> I started Planet Nashville, <laughs> I was a single mom of two kids in the worst economy in U.S. history and was not getting, and I'm not picking on anybody because jobs were lost, but I was not getting any child support. And I managed to start and grow a business that serves some of the biggest names in country music and even we're talking like um, uh, movie studios and movie premieres and that sort of thing. I didn't have anything, but here's what you do have to have. If I was, if I could just make everybody do this, then I think everybody would be successful. Network, find people who know more than you do. Find people who might know the customer that you want to know. Find somebody who might know three people away from the customer. And you might not even understand that that's the connection that you're making. But if you invest in other people, they're going to invest in you. My life would be ridiculously awful if it was not for the humans that have like put their little pieces of fabric into the quilt of my life and made it as beautiful as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I know Stephanie and I were both talking about when we first started the website, they teach you that in business school, right? You need to find a mentor. It's kind of like something that they tell you, an advisor. And we didn't have one Mm because I mean, who started a website for redheads before? But I know from other experiences (laughs) in life that when you have a mentor, it really can set you up for success when you're starting a business because we would have saved years and years and years of time, I think, if we would have someone would have said, oh, you should do this or you should do that. And also like so many things were changing with like blogs. And we were even talking today about how different it is with beauty editors and like the beauty world. So many things have just changed because of the digital platform. It's like unbelievable now that podcasts and other people are seen as experts rather than people who have a fancy job title. It's really crazy how things change. And then you also have to change with your business. And if you are lucky enough to have a mentor and networked and met people, I think you're absolutely correct. I think that you will be totally ahead of the game. And and as a coach, as a certified coach who gets paid to do that, let me tell you what, you don't have to pay a coach. Like, even if it's not somebody who's walked in the exact path that you're trying to walk in, 
if you know somebody who's just a solid business person, that's a good place to start. Start with the people that you already have like some kind of connection to and, and look for that friendly advice and that friendly relationship. And if you can afford to hire a coach, great, but don't go out there and spend thousands of dollars on a coach when you haven't made your first dollar in your business. That's bad business in and of itself. Your business cannot afford a coach. Right, right. That's, that's excellent advice. Um, and out of all the successful companies you've worked with, um, what makes the most successful, either companies or people, what makes the most successful, successful? They, um, can I pick two things? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah as, many, as many as you want. Um, I think the number one thing is that people always come first. So they put their team first. And then they know that if they put their team first, that that team will put their customers first and Mm -hmm. everybody is putting each other first. And so that creates a fabulous brand experience from the inside out. And then the second thing, and I think this is more important now than it's really ever been, and I'm even talking just the past couple of years, the dynamic nature of business, of the economy, of communication, of how the internet impacts how we do business is the ability to change, the ability to embrace change and to be able to pivot and not be scared by the ever of, I mean, you just said it yourself. I mean, look, it just looks since we've been doing this, like social media has completely changed. Um, How you blog changes, the the authorities have changed. You've said it all. I mean, we could just go on and on about like how on, on your game you have to stay with the new tools and resources and and the different platforms that you have to make good decisions of, is this right for my business and my audience, or is this just a shiny object? And so being able to quickly make those decisions in the best interest of ultimately your company's mission and its vision and values, that's what's going to really be the game changer. And what I see my clients, including the fortune 500. I'm not talking just about the small businesses. I'm talking across the board. Those two things are definitely key. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with the changes, especially with social media. I mean, especially when an app, like a social outlet, for example, like Instagram, when they come out with new features, I remember when Insta Stories came out, and that's a big way that we gain traffic on our website and gain profit. That was change that we had to make because that was a new feature that our audience was on. So I think, and for some people, you know, Insta Stories probably scares people. So I, I totally relate to what you're saying uh, with social media just evolving and changing so quickly. Yeah, yeah, and definitely being on yeah. your game. And what do you think about people who have this gut feeling? Like I always am so curious, and I know Stephanie and I had a gut feeling that how to be a redhead was going to be successful. Um, did you, do you, do you ever talk about the gut feeling that you should just go with it? Like, did you have that when you started your business? Oh my gosh. Yes. I am all about the gut. I I, I just think that we, you know, I think was it, oh, I can't remember who said this. I think, um, uh, is it Dr. Joyce or uh, it doesn't matter. Um, somebody once upon a time said that your gut is your gut feeling like draws on previous experiences. Mm. And so I always listen to my gut first and foremost, and it doesn't always make sense. And I do try to make it make sense with like really tangible things or proven strategies or a plan. But um, when you start getting that feeling, that's, call it the universe, call it God, call it your highest self, whatever is, you know, in your zone of your spiritual life. um, That is, I would listen to that above all else. 
And so the whole story you have, it's so impactful, you know, being a teen mom and that, that, that struggle initially. But are you so happy now looking back that it happened to you? Because I feel like a lot of people who had struggles are like, you know what, I'm actually thankful because it did this and this and this in my life. Yeah, that's hard to say. I mean, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade my daughter for anything. In fact, uh, just yesterday, she was awarded by our local newspaper. They do this Women of Wilson. And um, and then at the end of the year, there's a, a banquet lunch and, and then somebody's awarded a uh, woman of the year. And my daughter won that last yesterday. Oh, so, great. Thank you. I'm so proud of her. And so would I do it all over again for her? Absolutely. Um, would I wish what I went through on anyone? Mm, no. Um, I, I would hope that people can find make wiser decisions that they could um, stay in alignment with their values. Uh, what happened with me was a very tumultuous time in my life. There's so much change. Um, it was my age. When I go back and celebrate that I made the decisions that I did No, am I forever going to be grateful that like in anything in life, greatness came out of, yeah. of a bad situation for sure. Very yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And um, we wanted to talk to about your red hair because it really caught our attention <laughs> when we were trying to find the, the perfect guest for this. And then we saw your beautiful hair and then we already knew about your business advice and your career. We were like, this is perfect. But we because we are beauty focused, <laughs> we did want to ask you a few questions about having red hair. For sure. <laughs> yes. So what do you do you think your red hair has contributed to your success like, how does it define you as a woman, a woman in business? I think, I mean, just the fiery redhead persona, people automatically make that assumption about me, which is correct, obviously. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, it's, it's, again, it's one of those key differentiators. It's something that sets us apart, which in business is critical. Like, if you can't do that, then you're dead in the water. You're a commodity. And so it is, I feel like, the, a selling point for me. To be, I'm not another blonde speaker. No offense to blondes. We love blondes. I have a sister who's blonde. Um, but no, I, I think it's a, it's definitely something that puts us apart. Yeah, I definitely think so too. Yeah, we stand out. And lastly, we love to end interviews focused on business on ending it on a beauty note. So is there a beauty product you can't live without? Oh, um, so many. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll, can I pick two things again? Yeah. Um, one is their real mascara. By Benefit. Because benefit. Girls, first of all, it just, I mean, so much with the volume because we do tend to have like thinner, more brittle, um, shorter, unless you use like Latisse or something, lashes, and it just makes them pop and you don't have to wear lashes. Um, as you know, unless I'm on stage, I might. Um, and then the second thing is I'm completely obsessed with Kevin Murphy hair products. It's just my, yeah. I've got that coarse, thick. I mean, it's, it's one thing to have coarse and one thing to have thick, but I've got both. And, um, and then it's also naturally wavy and all of the Kevin Murphy products just love my hair and my hair loves it back and it makes life a whole lot easier. Yeah. Kevin Murphy, his line is amazing. Well, we um, want to thank you so much for coming on. It was so awesome to talk to you. And we're so inspired by your story. And we know other people will be too. So we will definitely keep in touch and talk soon. Okay, sounds great. Okay, bye, Amber. Thanks, Amber.
The H2 Bar Box, a monthly beauty subscription box for redheads. Each box is worth $80 plus, and each product is redhead-friendly approved. Head to h2barbox.com to subscribe and use code PODCAST to receive 20% off. I learned so much from Amber. She's, I love that she went through a lot and that she's so successful and also has such great advice about you have to work hard, you have to be dedicated, you have to go with your gut feeling. I love that she said you have to put your team first Mm -hmm. because they're going to care about your business. Mm -hmm. And it was just, just keep fighting. Her story's very inspirational. Yeah. So if you're launching a business, um, I think that it's something that you know, that you can definitely learn from and definitely use it as something that will push you. Uh, Stephanie and I wanted to share the story with you. We actually, we started our website in 2012, howtoberedhead.com. 2011. Well, yeah, 2011. 20, but 2012 was really... No, it was 2011. It was 2011. I, get the, I guess I think 2012 because we were like really kicking off in 2012. But well, 2011 was really... 2011, we were getting our... Act together. Yeah. Yeah. We were like getting everything in line. It takes a long time. So we launched it. (laughs) But then the next year we were, you know, we had our eggs all aligned. Mm -hmm. Like we knew what we were doing. And sometimes when you're launching a business, it's not just a day or a week or two weeks or three weeks. For us, it really took about, I want to say, two or three years to actually launch our business. Like we launched on, January 11th, 2011. But did we, you know, our business truly took off, I think, around 2014. And even though it was the star of our business, we had something that could have really just stopped us right there. We could have just stopped. And I think, you know, when you launch something, you want certain things to happen. Of course, when you start a business like, okay, if you start a skincare line, that's all natural, organic, maybe your goal is to end up in Whole Foods, end up yeah. On big main Ulta or if you're a makeup brand. So there's certain things in Adrian and I's mind that we knew we wanted. And of course, things have changed over time. We, we want new things, especially as the company evolves um, in general. But I think when we were approached by the TV show Shark Tank, was that 2014? They approached us late into 2013 into 2014 and then by the summer of 2014 they flew us out there to be on shark tank at that point the how to be a redhead box wasn't started we had done one event we We didn't have our book out we no we didn't even have a book deal we had been written in the new york times which i think no no we were not written in the new york times until after it happened okay no I feel like I need a timeline of our story. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, Shark Tank approached us. The producer was a redhead. She loved us. And me personally, coming from being the younger sister and on a business level, but more on a sister level, what are, the outcome was something that we didn't expect and really think would happen when we were flown out there. I really became in my mind, the younger sister in the sense that, okay, Adrian's going to protect me. Adrian's going to get us through this because we It's really up, intense. We it's flew out intense. there and not getting into the whole how the show works and everything like that, but we really thought like, okay, we're going to be in front of these four or five judges. They're going to love what we have because we're so passionate about it. 
and they're going to make a deal. And then we're going to skyrocket. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And then it's all pink rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And, and I it's remember just going to be a beautiful thing. Stephanie saying, I just want the exposure. And that's what we were after. We were after the exposure because our goal, which is probably a long-term goal. You know, we want every redhead to one, know about how to be a redhead. We want a redhead to be subscribing to the How to Be a Redhead box. We want them to be logging onto our website. We want it to be a lifestyle thing. So we wanted that exposure to take us to the next level. And it was more in the sense, too, where we wanted mothers, aunts, grandmothers to be watching the show and our mind be like, oh, my God, I have a niece. I have a best friend. I know a coworker who's a redhead. Just the exposure and the brand awareness in general was the biggest thing for us. So flying out there, we dropped everything. We planned months ahead our pitch we got it down we flew out there and the outcome was we didn't get to see the judges well we were we were there for five days and during that time we had we didn't know at the time that people were actually lining up to be in shark tank that there were thousands and thousands of people they literally picked us because we had written them an email like in 2013 i mean it wasn't that we had tried to be on the show it was exciting because they had picked us and in a way we felt special so we go out there and then they were immediately making cuts on people they didn't think that they were right they we they were getting cut they were getting cut and so I- after the fifth day when we finally got there and we were getting sh- uh, you know chauffeured i guess you would say to the <laughs> studio yeah. we were like oh we're that definitely going to cool. be on today <laughs> yeah we're like we're definitely going to be on on shark tank like, there is no question about it. And I think what Adrian and I were just so surprised about was the fact that every other company that was there all had a product. They all had something that could be on QVC, yeah. a toy store, could be on a shelf. And we're over there thinking, okay, so we have our hair accessories. And at the time, they were in boots in the UK. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we got that down. But our website, so we were initially selling us and these hair ties and bobby pins. And our apparel. That we didn't have a pat- patent on. Right, right. And, and our apparel, yeah. We really weren't set up to be on the show. Thinking back business-wise, personality-wise, and and drive, we were there. But I don't think our business was there yet. So anyway, we were the last ones to go on that day. And some people's pitches took longer. So by the time we're literally mic'd up getting ready to go... It's been, we've been there all day. We've like hardly eaten (laughs) because we've been so nervous. And then they come to us and they're like, like, they're like, sorry, you're not going to be on today. Like the, the sharks had to take. They were done. They were done. was done. Yeah. Like they had to take a union break or something and you're done. And it was really at the time. I traumatized. Yeah. We both (laughs) cried. It was a traumatizing thing because we love how to be a redhead so much. And they flew us back to New York city. We fly back. It was uh, 4th of July weekend, and Stephanie and I still think about that weekend. We were with a bunch of friends and how we were just in a fog because we thought we were going to come back to New York City celebrating, celebrating, and it didn't work out that way. And honestly, at that particular moment, if we had the personalities, we could have just stopped doing everything. And, okay, now I remember about New York Times. So backing up, when we were there that week, another thing that we – we kind of said to each other, we were really surprised that all of these companies had huge press. They were written up in Fast Company. They were written up in all of these big, reputable fortune, entrepreneur, and we had no press. And I remember after that night, we get back, we see a lot of the people that we were with for five, six days, 
we had a little bit too much wine. <laughs> and I remember going back in the hotel room, looking at Adrian and saying, we need to work on our press. Remember yeah. I said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we get back. And oh my God, I kind of have goosebumps. I remember- You pitched to Fast Company first. I pitched to all the companies, all these com- all of these companies that their press, I pitched to all the outlets. Then we were featured in Fast Company. Next fall, huge spread in the New York Times. Well, no, it was- <laughs> well, it was Fast Company and all of It was of Fast these- Company. And then we, so the timeline was July. We were in Shark Tank. Then that- we were maybe three weeks later, Stephanie. I think that you're thinking it was longer. We were in Fast Company, which got us into Shape Magazine, which we did in August. We shot oh, we we shot Shape Magazine. New York Times was And then New York Times came Thanksgiving. Fr- that Thanksgiving yeah. because of the Fast Company article. Yes. And so literally July, we come back, we're devastated, and we just like went oh, into the- Ass. We did. We just went into gear and we're like, we're going to get into every single thing. And the top network you can really get into with a beauty, a, with beauty is really the New York Times. I mean, the that's like, that's what you want to be Boom. in. And by Thanksgiving, we had that. We had, we were in the November issue of, of Shape. Shape Magazine. And when we were getting into 2015, we're like, there's no way that we're going to go laying down. We did a five city beauty tour, which then... All this particular time, right after the New York Times, we got our book deal. And then the book deal was all throughout 2016. And then, you know, 2017, we started a new website. And then we did the H2 Bar Box before that. And it's been a whole thing. And so that's why we were, I asked Amber, I said, are you so happy for the tough times? Because as, as much as our tough times weren't like her tough times, I am so grateful that we weren't on Shark Tank. Me I am too. so grateful. When the, immediately when it happened, I was sad. And I felt bad because you started crying. Steph. And I was trembling. I, yeah. I, I felt like I couldn't even breathe and that, oh, my God, how to be a redhead. It's done. Like, where, what am I going to? I kept I did think in my head, oh, my God, what kind of J-O-B am I going to get? <laughs> you thought that? I need to get my resume out there. Yeah, because I was I thought that was going to be it. I never knew you thought that. I, thought that I would g- never think that. Yeah, I know. That's why we're different. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that this is the end. And then I talked to my now husband who was my boyfriend at the time and I call him and if anyone knows him he's any stressful situations he's the calmest person in the room and he was just like yeah just come back to New York we'll figure it out and I'm over there like I can't talk right now and then Adrian I just wanted her to be like the big sister but then it really pushed us so we were the most motivated we we ever were that summer I think when people were like hanging out going to Central Park and like really enjoying Montauk in some <laughs> summer weekends. We weren't going. We were on our computer. We were finding people on LinkedIn. We got a little kicked off LinkedIn that summer, I think. <laughs> we were researching so many people to just work on our our press was our main priority and just getting our name out there. And I think a year later, I remember we were walking in New York City and I was it was like the, around the year anniversary of Shark Tank and we were in Union Square. And that girl turned around and was like, are you guys the co-founders of How to Be a Redhead? Yeah. And that was the, one of the first times people recognized us. And I remember thinking, wow, yeah. a year ago, like this month, was some we were prepping for Shark Tank. We were out there. And then I think now look where we are. I think looking back, I'm so like, – immediately when it happened, they were like, you're not going to go on. And we were devastated. I was like – my first thought in my mind was this is happening for a reason, even though it was hard at the time. And now I know that it happened for a reason because look 
at where we are. And I wouldn't want an investor like that to be taking apart, you know, and I don't know if we would have ever done the rocket like a redhead tour. I don't know if the box would be the box. I don't know. Yeah, and if the box came about because of tough times, because we right. were like, how else are we going to build how to be a redhead? How else are we going to connect with our cu customers? And we're not hating on the show Shark Tank. If you're a fan or maybe you have a product or a brand that you want to be on the show, power to you. Yeah, this and I'm thankful. And I'm thankful for the experience. Yeah, we don't want to knock the show, but we are. It is a very pivotal point in our chapter in our career. So I think the, just the what we want you guys to learn from it is that yeah, when you start something, a brand, a product, a line, whatever it is, there's going to be certain hurdles that you have to you know, get jump over. And you have to believe in the product or the service enough to go through these tough times because I remember I was just like Amber said, um, I was all into the secret and yeah. I, I and I still am. It's 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 very powerful. Mindset is everything. Yeah, yeah. The universe. Yeah. 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 But I just wanted to, you know, make a point that it's so much more than that. You know, it's so much more of like, wow, you know, I have to do this. I have to, you have to believe in it and you have to make your own reality. And it's tough sometimes. It really is tough. And I don't like to hear that it's tough. Still to this that, day. I hate, I hate that word. Because yeah, our dad used to be like, life is tough. Life is tough. Life's not easy. Life's not easy. And it's, and it's not. It's He's not. a little negative though. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to make the best of it. And I am overjoyed every single morning when you know, when I wake up, when Stephanie wakes up, that we started this and we just kept going. And I think that that's the most powerful quote. It's so easy don't to remember up. is don't give up. But my favorite is keep going. Keep going. Keep going is the best advice you can have when you start. And I business. think ending it is mantras, mantras. I said that word wrong. Mantras that I tell myself sometimes that I've learned taking yoga is telling yourself something, whether you're meditating or whether throughout the day is I always say, I can, I will. Mm -hmm. And I always tell myself that. Like when I'm doing something on a day-to-day -day basis for how to be a redhead and I'm in a funk, I just tell myself like, I can, I will. Right. And you have to really believe it. It's, yeah. It's a trick. You know, anyone can say it, but you have to really believe it. Right. And I think that that's what any successful person does. So anyway, thank wow, you so much. Wow, you could tell we're very passionate about this. <laughs> For listening in because we are so passionate and we will probably do another episode about once you actually launch the business, you've been over the tough times, how do you keep going? How do you have momentum? Momentum is very important when you start a business too. So Thanks we so much for listening and make so sure pumped. you subscribe and rock, rock it like, like a redhead. redhead.